0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM.
1: Let's go right into the Word of God. many I mean, the Word of God is our source of faith. It is the instructions for life. And so uh, last week we were going to speak about... We said we we're gonna talk about the Christian mind. We decided to wait until November to do that. But now we're gonna we're gonna talk between this Sunday and next Sunday about leadership, leadership in the kingdom of God. Man, leadership in the kingdom. How many know that leaders are needed in today's society and today's church? God God is looking for leaders. <laughs> Amen. 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 And there. Are there are a whole lot of followers, but very few leaders. And doesn't it doesn't mean that everybody needs to go and be a pastor. Doesn't that mean everybody needs a title? But we are God is seeking leaders. Leaders are making different makes a difference in the world. As we go through church history, as we look at scriptures, we don't ever see that God calls teams. He calls individuals. Um, when, he, when he's looking for someone to make a difference. Now, God calls, God calls teams to support the individual, but he, he doesn't, you never see groups, <laughs> you know, and, and even through church history, as, as you look at revivals, there was always an individual that stood out among them. And so we're going to talk about leadership today. I, I think I don't think I ever did a sermon about leadership like on a Sunday morning, but today is the exception. Go with me to Exodus, excuse me, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30, Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. There are some who, as we think about leadership, there are some people who will delegate their authority as opposed to the different assignments. If God called you as a leader, you're never to de- delegate your authority, right? You don't, as a, you know, though everybody in here are parents or, have, you know, have kids, whether young or adult you don't delegate, you don't give authority to a kid, right? You give in the sense of your authority, where you say, I do what you say, <laughs> whatever you say, whatever you like. And, and this is stuck in my head. This has been stuck in my head for years. And this has nothing to do with the sermon. But my brother, one time I was with him and his, his wife. His wife is from Trinidad. And, and we were, um, me and Courtney were talking to them. And, and, and so we were asking my brother, where does he want to live? He had moved to South Carolina to be a part of, um, to go to school. And, and so she, the wife, said to, her, to him, um, what, 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 where would you like to live? And she said, whatever he likes. <laughs> and and then years later, it was like, no, we're living in the South Carolina. <laughs> but that was always stuck in my head. Like whatever you like, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the sermon. Uh, so but God never calls us to, as leaders, to delegate our authority. We're we're to maintain our authority. And sometimes people, in the ideal of false humility, they would give away their authority. You shouldn't give away your authority. Um, just a side note: You shouldn't you shouldn't give away your favor. When God blesses you with favor, you shouldn't give that away. I mean, if if it, if the favor is it has the capacity to include other people, you bring that alone. I know in the past I've had the, the temptation to give away my favor, and, and and I've learned through mistakes. And one time there was I, I was privileged to be among. Um, pastors and and leaders and someone who wanted to be a part of that group, I shared that with them but that was a safe place for me to confess my issues, my weaknesses and yet I shared it with an individual who wanted to be a part of that group or visited and, and in the midst of that I end up giving away my favor. No longer was that place a safe place for me to share. Yeah. So we got to be careful about sharing giving away what God has given you, specifically authority. You don't give authority. It's like someone coming in and says, I'm, and I have, I, have, I have learned through mistakes, many mistakes of someone coming in who we didn't know come in and profiling and wanting to do, entertain us through profiling, you know, and just, you know, and, and you look back and you're like, God, I, I made the mistake. So we have to be careful about giving away what God has given us. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says this. I'm reading out of ESV. I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Let me read that again. I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy, it, but I found none." And so this scripture, I grew up in church. As you read Dr. Debbie's book, you'll find out that her mom had a great influence upon my life and my mother's life, my, our families, and, and so that she has, you know, so with that and said, I, I grew up going to prayer meetings, all night prayer meetings, shut-ins. Now, when I was youth pastor, we used to have shut-ins but it, they were a little bit different than the ones that I grew up in. The ones that I grew up in, you prayed all night. My shut-ins, we had hip-hop Christian artists from all around the world coming and singing, and, and then we had preaching, and we had a little prayer. <laughs> so it's more like evangelistic. So I, I'm familiar with this verse. This verse was always used in intercessory prayer, looking for a person to stand in the gap. But I want to submit to you that standing in the gap is not limited to prayer but it includes leadership. Amen. And leadership, you are standing as a leader, you're standing in the gap on the behalf of God, being God's representative on the earth. You're speaking as God's mouthpiece. You're, delegate, uh, you're delegating assignments. You are, you are proclaiming God's wisdom, whether it's an organization, whether it's at home or at work or in the community or at church. As a leader, you represent God. And so you are, in one sense of the word, standing in the gap for those. And God is looking and seeking for leaders. There are not enough leaders. You can even lead when you're not in charge. <laughs> you can lead at your job when you got a crazy boss or you got a boss that doesn't know as much as you know. You still could lead. Above all, as Dr. Patrick says, you can self-lead. You can lead, you, number one, you need to lead yourself. How I many know we need to lead ourselves? You know, um, learning how to lead yourself even in crazy situations. There are some people who are seeking titles or leadership positions in the body of Christ. Leadership in the church is not without a price or responsibility. We got more apostles than we had in the Bible today. Everybody's an apostle. Apostle this, an apostle that. Honestly, I, I, I can honestly say that I've probably met one apostle in my life. That's a true apostle, that had the the, assign, the the signs of a true apostle. And I think the deception is if I give myself this title, <laughs> then I'm that. <laughs> and we know titles are important. I know some churches, are like, we don't have a title, the, the pastor doesn't have a title, and so they go titleless. <laughs> but how many know that God is interested in, in titles? He is. Um, Christ is a title. It's not Jesus' last name, it just means the anointed one, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus the Messiah. So there is a title. God is into titles. He really is. Even when he says, you know, Paul is writing, he says, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see Jesus calling Paul as an as an apostle, giving him the title. So there are There is a place for titles, but we don't make titles. I mean, titles don't make us, but we make the titles. Amen. Amen. Long before I was a pastor, long before I even thought about youth ministry, I was a pastor. I was pastoring people. I was evangelizing. I'll never forget this. Reading Dr. Debbie's book, it reminded me that the only song that I learned word for word was This Is The Day. Did y'all know I could really sing? I mean, you, you can find me on Spotify somewhere, Amazon, yeah. <laughs> Apple. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> <laughs> So... Um, I used to get a group of my friends. This I had to be nine years old. My mom and dad bought me a guitar. I think my dad bought me a guitar for Christmas, my biological father. So I had this guitar. And the only song that I knew then, and the only song that I know today, word for word, is This Is Today. That's, I don't know the lyrics of all these other songs. I think I, I, I probably know more secular songs than I do Christian songs, even though I grew up in this word by word. <laughs> like, um, I won't tell you the songs that I know secular. <laughs> Thanks to Cleveland for introducing me to all the secular stuff. <laughs> anyway, so we have. As a nine-year-old, I got my little friends together. We're in Arkansas, and I had a blanket. Went out and said, oh, we're going to have Bible study. So I had a little blanket. I took—I don't even know where I got the blanket from. My mom was at work somewhere. I, I must have took the blanket off my bed. I put the blanket out on the grass. All my friends, white and black, were at the at this Bible study. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to teach you a song." And this is a song that my mom taught me. And so I got the little guitar and I was playing "This Is the Day." <laughs> and so I was like, "You're going to sing along with me, right?" <laughs> and so we sung, "This Is the Day. This Is The Day that the Lord Has Made." Oh, we so I will rejoice and so forth. And they like, "Oh, this is good, yeah." And then. And then I took, took out my Bible, and I went to Romans 10, 9, and 10, the only scripture that I kind of knew from heart, and I preached that you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart, that God is raising from there, you shall be saved. I said, if you don't receive Christ, you're going to hell. And, and the kids ran away, ran to their parents, and asked their parents, is this Is this what, is it true what Dwayne is saying? And, and, and one parent said, yes, it's true. So they came back and said, yeah, I guess I am going to hell. So you got to tell me, how do I say, I said, you got to say this prayer, meaning it with your heart, there's no, you know, I do not use the word magic, but you, it, it won't work unless you mean it. And so I prayed this prayer with them and they received Christ. <laughs> so that's my story of being a leader, even at a nine as a nine-year-old. Here I have Bible study. And then I went on to have Bible study. And when I went to Trenton, moved to Trenton, I began to have Bible study. Well, my mom and dad had Bible study. I invited my teacher, the teacher got saved, got filled, got delivered from demons and got set free from depression, and then I would, then I began to have my own Bible studies, and when we moved to Willingboro and invited friends, and they came and got saved and filled, and, and here I am trying to cast out devils, and I just used Kenneth, Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagan book, and I taught it verbatim and act like it was mine. <laughs> so that's my story of even being a leader as a kid, as a teenager, and on to my adults, and I began to pastor people without thinking about it. I would call people up. How are you doing with Christ? And and how, how's your walk? And and, and I had the, this philosophy. I'm trying to save the save. And what did that mean? That means that I wanted to make sure they grew in the things of God. Even at Bible school. Even um, before I became had a title. Even started preaching. I would call and check on people time and time again. And and even now, calling friends and families and. And sometimes it, it's, it's tiring to do that, but I'm wanting to check on it. And don't then think about it, but that's really what a pastor does. They watch over the souls of people. Leadership is not limited to a title, but it, it goes beyond the title. And if you really are a leader, you are leading everywhere you go. You, it just, it comes out of you. And so I want to challenge us today to become leaders in the kingdom of God. There is a heavy weight to stand in place of the Lord or as his mouthpiece. Let the Lord call you to that place of leadership. Don't try to make yourself a leader. I've seen people come into churches and says, I'm ordained, I'm licensed, and they begin to throw throw around their title that they were in another church. I mean, no, you should be asked to come up instead of going, go sit down. <laughs> and so allow people, the Bible tells us to, that a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great, the great, as ESV says. And so your gifts and your callings and your leadership will bring you before great men and women. Glory to God, both big big and small, large and small. God will cause you to come before great people, and you don't even know they're great because it might be that they're in the infancy stage, the infancy stage of their greatness. So God will cause you to come. Who would have thought that here, as I read the book, it brought me back to some memories, shy, timid little boy that God brings and makes him a pastor and who has done a little bit of missions, who, who has preached to hundreds You know, who would have thought of that? But God does that. God does that. So allow God to develop you into leadership. God does not choose gifts and talents over character. He's always looking for character. God is concerned about how we live when no one else is watching. That's the true test of leadership. And really, leadership is proven at home. You know, it's the breeding ground for the making of a, a pastor or, or, or entrepreneur or, 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 or a teacher and so forth. You, you begin to do these things when no one else is watching. Way before I was preaching and teaching for people, I was teaching and preaching to my mom and grandma's perfume bottles. And I would preach to them, and they got saved every time. And I would knock them down. They got slain in the spirit. And when they spoke in tongues, they would spray, <laughs> so that's right. Receive the Holy Ghost, <laughs> and I did that <laughs> long before I had people. And then I got brothers. Well, first I got cousins, and then it's now it's time for. And I would preach and act like I was pastoring them. They used to call me the preacher, and I would preach to the, my little cousins, and they. And, and try to cast out devils out of them. And then I got brothers and sisters, and I preached to them, and, and I had plays, and, and I would do music, and we would sing and worship, and then I would preach to them and knock them over and put my leg over and be slain, you know, and did all those things way before I was, had any kind of title. So leadership, God looks at your character. How, how do you live? God emphasizes who we are before he calls us to do something great. And many times people want that title. If I can just get the title, but how many of the devil will test you if you get the title to make sure whether to really to prove if you're that thing. Leadership as John Maxwell, John, John Maxwell is a guru of leadership. He has dozens, probably hundreds of books, or maybe not hundreds, maybe a hundred and something, or for books about leadership. He just focuses on leadership. Every book about John, they even have a Bible called the John Maxwell Leadership Bible, what he goes in and he looks at leadership through the scriptures, different people such as Moses and Daniel and David. But leadership, he, he gives the definition of leadership, it boils down to influence, mm-hmm. influence. There is no straight definition of leadership. People have tried to describe it. There's whole different programs. You can get a degree in organizational leadership. You can get a degree like PD has in church leadership. There's no such, they can't find a definition of leadership. There's no straight definition of leadership. Look it up, go look at Webster. They, they're looking, they're searching. People have spent thousands and thousands of dollars looking for a definition of leadership. They. We know what it is when we see it. We know what it's not, but it's hard to define. But John Maxwell has boiled leadership down to influence. Yeah. If you go and take a walk and look behind you and someone's following you, you are a leader. But if you go in and take a walk and you look behind you and no one's following you, you just took a walk. <laughs> That's what, the way he describes leadership. So how do you know if you're leading your family? Are they following you? How do you know if your friends you're leading your friends? Are they following you? How do you know if you're leading your coworkers and so forth? You, you know, you give ideas at work, are, are, you know, do, is the, is, do you have that much influence? And the question I have for you as leaders is who is influencing you? Who are, your, who are you influencing? As we deal with leadership in the kingdom, we need to look at what God calls a leader. What did he have in mind when he looked at leadership? We're going to look at a few scriptures before I let you go. The time is getting away from, from us really quick. Um, do you remember when you were asked to do something by a leader that you admire, whether it was a pastor or a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, the assignment that you had, whether it was a professor, you were asked to do something? I'll never forget as a, as a, a leader. potential leader in third grade. I was excited because my third grade teacher asked me to do something, gave me some type of responsibility, and I remember being prideful and humble at the same time. (laughs) Is it possible? It is. (laughs) And I was like, hey, I, I, I got this badge of honor, and I had this honor, and I was able to minister um, whatever she asked me to do. The word minister is servant, so it's not like I was preaching. <laughs> All right, so don't think I was preaching at third grade. Oh, you're going to hell! Uh, even though I had those thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, how excited was how how excited you were at that time when someone asked you to do something? We need to get back to the joy of leadership. Sometimes people will use the term "I don't wish this on my worst enemy," talking about some type of leadership position. What, what what a horrible way if you if it's such a burden to to lead then you shouldn't be leading. Right. there should be some joy. I, I don't ever look at I love preaching. I can preach all time 24/ 7. I mean, I just I love it. I can do it every Sunday until Jesus comes and never get tired. I'm looking for the day that I can. Well, I I actually said this and and I, I really believe this, but I really can't do it. But I re- was looking for a time to preach for six hours. When I got to Uganda, they tra- they tested that theology. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm finished in 45 minutes. It's like you're not finished. You need to preach some more, and then you need to pray for all these people. I'm like Jesus. I need to lose some weight. Let me lose next time I go. To be I got to lose some weight. I'm like, Jesus, just bring the people. Let me sit down. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> so sometimes you have these theo- theories of preaching for hours upon hours upon hours. <laughs> not so with PD. Not right now. <laughs> but but I did have that. I, I was really persuaded that I could do that until I was tested in the area. <laughs> All right. So we don't. We shouldn't neglect the love of what we do. God calls us as leaders to serve. As leaders, we're not to, you know, you see people uh, are, they're, they're ruling, like they're ruling over people. We're not to rule over people. We're to serve them. If you, at your house, you should serve your people. You should serve your husband or your wife. You should serve your kids, serve your pet, (laughs) even if they get on your last nerve, serve them. We're, We're to serve each other. Jesus, people talk, often talk about the mind of Christ. I want the mind of Christ, but the mind of Christ is servitude. Everything about Jesus, I came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to serve, and we are to serve each other. As brothers and sisters, we're to serve each other in prayer and in spiritual things and natural things. We are to look for opportunities to put our faith into action. If your faith is only just for you, then you are missing the point of your faith. You should use your faith for someone else. You should pray for someone else. Believe God for miracles for somebody else. I'm not saying you can't pray for yourself because the Bible boldly tells us that we can. But don't limit your prayers only to your family. But pray for others. Intercede for others. Sometimes the, prayer, the, inter, the spirit of intercession will come upon me and I'll cry. I'll be crying because I start sensing what the other person is going through. If you'll get, if you tap into the Spirit, God will allow you to do that. A good friend of mine recently got, or uh, in the process of getting divorced, and I just wept because I felt the the, the loss of, of this man of God, and and here I am weeping and crying, and I was like, "Why is it you okay? You need to confess something." <laughs> but I actually felt the, 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 what they were going through. And I'm not saying that I felt, I know what they're going through, but I began to pray for them like it was me. Yeah. How many know that's the way to serve other people? Yeah. To pray to such a place where you cry for others yeah. and you pray for it. When the last time you cried for someone in prayer, you know, and not just a fake cry, <laughs> but, the, but really let it come out of your spirit. Where you're praying and you're sensing the loss, and you're praying for that lost loved one. Or you're praying for the one that, you know, accidents and, you know, individuals going through hell and back, praying and weeping for them. That's what we should be we're called to do. Go with me to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. We're talking about leadership in the kingdom. Leadership in the kingdom. We're all called to lead. Let us develop leadership. One of our confessions that I have with the kids is that, that we confess, I confess with them that I am a follower of Christ, but I am a leader among my peers. I lead my peers, and I don't follow them. How I many know oh, that's a good confession as a kid? <laughs> I'm not afraid of what people think about me. If we can just get to the place where we are free from the opinions of people, that we are free from their expectations over our lives. And as you read Dr. Debbie's book, I've been in it, <laughs> as you read it, you'll get encouraged about stepping out and being who God made you to be unashamedly. Just not ashamed of being who you are. You know, I, I, just the other day I spoke at a, a prophetic revival, um, a, a, a prophetic and apostolic um, conference, And a lot of people were prophets and so forth. And I'm like, I'm just a teacher. I'm not just a teacher. I'm a teacher and a pastor. And so that's what you're going to get. I'm not going to prophesy to you like you want. I mean, God uses me in that. But I'm not going to fake the funk. (laughs) But I'm going to be who God made me to be. And I just flat out talked. (laughs) That's all I did. And they're like, wow, this is good. Because I knew that they were going to have a lot of prophecy later on. I mean, you need to be who God made you to be. And not a a shame of that. Psalm 78, Psalm 78, verse 72. Psalm 78, verse 72. As I looked over the word of Psalm 78, it's pretty long. I didn't realize how long it was until I started doing the study for this. It says, with upright heart, he shepherded them, verse 72, and guided them with his skillful hand. With upright heart, he shepherded them and he guided them with his skillful hand. As leaders, we should have right motives. You should always be checking your motives, even with your kids, even with your grandkids. Why do you want them to do this? Why do you, let me give them everything that I didn't have. It might not necessarily be, that might not necessarily be a good thing. <laughs> um, maybe some things that you you went through as a kid may not be been the best, but you got to seek the wisdom of God. What is your motive? Our motives as parents, grandparents, are not—it's not to make little use, right? Little us—we got to be careful because they—they they got their own little personality, and they think totally different than we do. They got a whole lot of things, uh, technology that we didn't have growing up, so we have to deal with them accordingly. Whereas in the past, where you would have got a beaten or I got a beaten, is a little bit different now. It's not that they've been disrespectful; they're just asking questions, right? It's not to be taken as disrespectful, because even Job asks questions from God. He asks questions to like you know, and then God says, "Where were you?" <laughs> Notice that God never rebuked him, but he just kind of gave it to it like it is, like this is such and such. And so we we are to be um, have a right heart as leaders. It, it, as God emerges leaders at our ch- in our church, we're to have the right heart towards people that we're leading. We're not to, to, to throw around and I was the first members, or I knew Petey and Courtney way back when. No, we, we, we're to, we to have the right heart. Amen? We're to have the right posture towards people. Even in prayer, you don't want to pray your will over somebody else. Somebody the other day called me and asked me about prayer for, for marriage. I need you to pray for my marriage. Uh, uh, that uh, I'm about to get married, and I want you to pray for me. I said, what is it that you want me to pray? Because you already made a decision you're going to marry this person, so there's nothing really you want me to pray. You made that decision. So I'm very careful about what is it that you want me to pray? I don't agree to pray for everybody. You know, you you just guard against that. Just be very careful. Like, I'm not going to pray my wish upon you, but I'm going to pray the scriptures. Amen. So you check your motives. The next part of this scripture talks about Uh, With upright heart, he shepherds them and then guided them with his skillful hand. As leaders, as emerging leaders, we shall be skillful at what we do. God does not, you know, sometimes people, this is a quote that I really, really hate. It's not that it's untrue. He calls unqualified, but then he doesn't leave them as unqualified. He qualifies them and then puts them into position. We have a lot of unqualified leaders in the body of Christ. (laughs) I'm not throwing no sticks. We have, and I do believe that sometimes even youth ministry, I served in youth ministry, the wrong thing for you to do is to put a 19-year-old over your teenage youth ministry, (laughs) I've seen it happen where the 19-year-old, the little girls look at the 19-year-old and falls in love and they fall <laughs> and they have a baby with the youth. <laughs> I I know people personally that it happened to. So the wrong thing for you to do is to put a 19-year-old and say, he's our youth pastor. No, get some older people around that young joker so they can give him some guidance and accountability. Amen. <laughs> um, and so we are... God is concerned about our skill set. Are are you working on your skills? Are you strengthening your abilities as leadership? One of the things that God's calling us to do as leaders is to learn how to listen. Even when someone's talking to you, listen to them. God has given you one mouth and two ears. So guess what? You need to listen twice as much as you talk. That that's profound to me. <laughs> I talk a lot, so I need to listen twice as much as I talk. And good leaders are great listeners. They have ministering ears. And some something we talk about in my house is is um, hijacking somebody's sentence. Where if I go it says I'm going to, and then somebody says going to the store. So we got to be careful because the Bible says a fool answers a matter before it's is, is spoken. You know, so don't hijack somebody you're leading. Learn how to allow them to spit out everything they're saying so you can hear the whole matter, because they might be going in a direction that your mind is not going in. So learn how to develop skills, different skills as leaders. What what is this message about, Pastor Dwayne? It's about you leading yourself, you leading in your family, you leading on your job, you leading in your community, you leading at KLM. God is calling us as leaders. We're not to produce followers, and there is a state of following, but then eventually a great leader will produce other leaders. Amen. And things can go. On. I remember one time, um, I think Courtney and I went away and we left the hands of the church, I think with Cleve and Dave, and they ran the service. And I think the communion was messed up, but outside of communion, things were going well. And I think somebody ended up joining the church. And they said to me, they says to Courtney, I think they text Courtney, it's like, man, we didn't even miss y'all. <laughs> I mean, and, and how many of know that says a lot? Um, Jesus left, delegated um, responsibilities to his disciples. He says, "I'm giving you this commission, just like the Father sent me. I'm sending you." So, think about it. You, he had a cusser. He had a person w- 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 full of violence. Um, Peter, he was he was the cusser and the violent one. He cut Malchus, Malchus's ear. Y'all remember that when when they came to get to get Jesus to take him to the cross, and Peter Peter took the ear, I mean took the um, sword and cut his ear off, and then what happened? Jesus like, no, you you don't live. You know, he that lived by the sword should die by the sword. And so Jesus restored his ear. That should have got the, young, the the soldier enough, you know, strength to says, wait a minute, I need to get saved. <laughs> but I think he continued. You know, I don't know what happened. We need to do a story about him. Uh, but, but we see that G, here Jesus. These men were regenerated, and he left the entire shoulders of the kingdom on these men. And he says, but he didn't leave them without help. He says, when I go, I'm going to send a helper. How many know that we as leaders, we need to delegate? But we need to delegate in a way to people who are, who are skilled and not just anybody. Real quick, let's go to first James chapter 3, James chapter 3, verse 1. We're talking about leadership in the kingdom. Often, as a pastor, I I hear people say, I'm called, I'm called, I'm called. I'm so tired of hearing people say I'm called (laughs) because if you look at the Bible, you'll get a call. (laughs) You You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and God start calling you to do something. I believe what happens so often is that when people start drawing closer to God, they'll start sensing a call. It doesn't necessarily mean they're called to behind-the-pulpit ministry. It just means that they sense a purpose, a greater purpose, and sometimes what we have done in the church is we have rushed them right to the pulpit because they have a call. The call may be into the ministry of helps. The call may be to the ministry of giving or the ministry of mercy or outreach. It doesn't also, I think we limit the callings of God to just five-fold ministries. How many know that If you get serious about God, you're going to sense something greater on your life because you're dealing with the greater one. (laughs) He's going going to call you for something, and immediately we automatically think this is it. But it just might be that God has called you from other areas. He needs godly politicians. He he needs godly Miss Americas. (laughs) He, He needs men and women all over the world. To influence this United States in the world for his glory. James chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. There is a gravity to the calling of a teacher. Everybody who calls themselves a teacher and teach, they're going to be held in a greater dimension a greater level than others, because what they teach can help people or destroy their faith. And so we need to think about that as leaders. Amen. And I got one more scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll continue this next week. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. First Timothy, this is my go-to for leadership. Whenever I'm asked to do a leadership conference or anything dealing with leadership, I go to First Timothy chapter three. Now, First Timothy chapter three, in its context, is dealing with someone called to be a pastor, the qualifications of a pastor. Verse one says, the sin is trustworthy. If anyone expires to be to, to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So, as leaders, the first thing that God does is He gives you a desire for leadership. It's not wrong to have a desire to be a leader, the the wrongness is, is rushing to it. You need to have an ambition, a godly ambition. For leadership, God has given you, and the Bible tells us in Psalm thirty-seven that He gives us the desires of our heart. So He places those those desires in our hearts, and He brings those desires to pass. And so it says, if anyone desires the office, th- that's an indicator that God has called the individual. It's not the only indicator, but it's it's, it's a starting point. Sometimes people say. Sometimes people say, sometimes people say that, oh, um, you know, they move on that calling alone, that desire alone. They go and because they have a desire. But how many know that it's not enough to just have that desire? You need other people to affirm that desire. The community of faith should affirm that that boy and that woman is called of God. You know, it shouldn't just be the individual. But it starts with a desire. I've talked to people where, oh, you know, I've always had a desire for ministry. But I I don't see why sometimes people present that if you're called, then you don't even have a desire for it. (laughs) And I I just don't think that that's 100% scriptural. God has a way of turning your heart towards that. It's nothing wrong with having a desire for ministry. What, What I found is that people who don't have a desire and they're serving, then they, they won't have joy. They won't have joy in what they're doing. They're just doing it because God told them to do it, right? But it should be a desire. As, as leaders in the kingdom, we should have desires to want to wanna do what God wants us to do. It's nothing wrong with having a desire to be wealthy, but make sure it's a godly desire, right? Um, there should be a righteous pursuit of wealth. A righteous pursuit. That means that you don't love money, but you know that money is a avenue in which God has graced you in, so you can funnel, funnel thousands and millions of dollars in the kingdom. But if you have a love for it. He goes like, "This is for the kingdom, and this is for me." it <laughs> will you, <you'll, it'll> stop, <laughs> and that father was like, "Oops, wait a minute." <laughs> but, but we should have, and I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to bless and your family to have a nice house, and nice cars, and nice toilets, and all that good stuff. But at the same time, He wants you to be a channel of His glory. And you know, when God's healing power comes through me, I don't want to stop. Lord, Lord, let this healing stop. So I could say, oh, I got it, or I get a prophetic word from the Lord. Oh, I can, get, I can hear from God. Welcome to Christianity 101. Everyone can hear from God. <laughs> it, doesn't, it, it doesn't make us spiritual because we hear from God or we receive some type of blessing from the Lord. But we should be a channel for the Lord. So you should have a desire for the Lord. And I'm going to touch this last one, number um, two. Number two, the second verse, it says, Therefore an overseer, overseer is elder, pastor, bishop, must be above reproach. How many know that it's, it's horrible to, to be called into ministry and yet your reputation is horrible? It discredits what you're saying. And, and something that, as we think about Proverbs 22, verse 1, it says a good name is better than silver and gold, right? I'm paraphrasing it. Do you know that your reputation is expensive? And once you spin it... <laughs> It's hard to, to get the value of that. Oh my God. When a man or woman disqualifies, you know, you can disqualify yourself from ministry. Yeah. And what we tend to think in some circles is that when somebody sins, then they confess, and then they go right back to their position. But there are certain things you can do to disqualify you from the ministry. It doesn't necessarily kick you out of the kingdom, but you cannot serve in leadership. And and I think that there's a lack, more people are concerned about not being qualified because he calls the unqualified, (laughs) but they don't talk about being qualified to serve in an office. God does not put everybody who loves the Lord in office to serve his people. Saul is an example that got fired from being a leader. (laughs) Judas got fired from being a leader. So we got to be careful about putting anybody And 1 Timothy chapter 3 tells us who is qualified to serve in this office. Not someone who just got saved. They got saved and all of a sudden we put them in a ministry. No, sit your butt down for several years and get taught the word and train and let us see your life. Let go without sinning for a year. Go and read the Bible over and over again. Come to prayer and give and worship and, and live right and keep a job and do right by your spouse and lead your family and then let's see if God calls you to ministry. Glory to God. That's all I got. I'm gonna stop there because I can go on. But we see that leadership, there is a great price for it. Our reputation is important, it's expensive. We need to guard our reputation. We need to have we need to be people of our word, pay our bills. God doesn't call a person to ministry and they have been faithful paying their bills. God doesn't call a lazy person who's not faithful at their job into ministry. Notice if you look at that list, it doesn't say anything spiritual, it's everything natural. How they manage their house, how they, you know, how, what they, how they deal with their appetites, and whether or not they're drunk and the anger and so forth, we'll look at that next week. We should be qualified, we should ask the Holy Spirit to make us qualified to, to be more effective in ministry. If you don't do right by God's people, God, God will disqualify you for serving. You may keep that position, but his presence won't be with you. Father God, we worship you and we honor you and we thank you. Thank you for this time together as we looked over the service scriptures dealing with leadership in the kingdom. Make us leaders, even increase our leadership, increase our influence upon the earth so that we can bring you glory more and more. Let us lead ourselves and lead our families and lead on our jobs and in our communities and even in our church. But may we be worthy of this calling, Father. Make us worthy of this calling that that your name of Jesus may be glorified in what we say and what we do. May our life speak of your glory, God. May May we never bring a reproach to your name. May there never be a scandal at KLM, Father. May there never be a scandal in our lives. Father, may our lives speak of the glory of God. May our our lives be marked with the holiness of God. And may we represent you in everything we do, and everything we say. Oh, God, may, 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 may our good, Lord, Lord, not be evil spoken of, Father. God, mark us with your holiness. Mark us with your integrity. Mark us, Father. May we be people of our word. In the matchless name of Jesus. And may we be faithful with our grandkids and, and our children and, our, and with our employers, employees. May we be faithful with everyone around us. May we be people and may it be said of us that we keep our word. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. amen. That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732 324 2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org also you can write to us by mail at po box 519 rancocos new jersey 08073 and lastly if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.